and welcome to Not For Girls, a podcast by two women fighting gender stereotypes, talking about life, activism and everything in between. I'm Leah. And I'm Nikki. And uh, this week, as you can gather from our intro, we're talking about activism. Quite an intense subject, but quite a relative subject. Yes, uh, not only relative, but like really important and uh, sort of just prevalent right now. Like uh, we just had Pride, got Black Lives Matter, you know, which has surged massively recently. And um, I think activism as a general thing is kind of impacting our lives a lot more at the moment and kind of has been for a while, but probably will for a lot longer as well. Yeah. And we did just also want to say that this is going to be quite a deep and serious topic obviously to talk about and if you're not into that and you think that you know you might want something a bit more like lighter we're going to have lots of different episodes in the future coming which can be on such a range of topics and previous topics too so it's all good if this one's not for you but we just think it's very important right now to discuss a topic like this for sure and like you know as as much as you know we kind of have the platform to talk about our personal views and beliefs it's absolutely fine if you're listening to this and you don't agree um you know that's that's perfectly fine as well um you might just hear a different opinion or learn something um we are going to be touching on uh more kind of factual things as well that we've kind of uh, been looking at and picked up on um so maybe if like uh, as a podcast this is edutainment then this is the more edu part than yeah. the attainment part Exactly. <laughs> but before we get into it, I just want to say that this is our third episode. Woo! So we wanted to thank everyone that supported us so far, listened to the other episodes. This is our first episode that we've recorded that's not been pre-recorded, so we haven't had a chance to say thanks, everyone. Yeah, we've actually caught up with our own lives <laughs> because we've been so busy. Um, so yeah, massive, massive thank you uh, from us to all of you uh, for all of your support, for listening, for downloading, uh, for coming chatting to us on social media. We love you. Yeah. Thank you. We were surprised when people actually listened to it because we didn't think there would be that many people. <laughs> yeah. So we're very happy. I think we kind of underestimated how I mean we must be kind of you know doing something right hopefully hopefully we're not not gonna screw up today it's a good (laughs) sign yeah hopefully when hopefully third time we'll be lucky and we'll keep keep going on a good uh, trajectory bear with us yeah we're still we're still babies really yeah (laughs) okay cool so uh I guess to kick things off uh maybe we can talk a little bit about what what's your personal experience with activism is it in terms of kind of how it's affected you Mm. personally what's your exposure or involvement see I feel a bit ashamed with this one because I don't really feel like I have much personal experience of activism I feel like as a person I have very strong beliefs and you know I want to sort of fight wrongdoing and everything like that and I'm very passionate about a lot of things but I think, you know, I myself have never been sort of a protest or anything like that. I just, I think in my personal life, I, you know, I work in sort of wildlife conservation. I've done that for a long time. Mm. So obviously I believe passionately about conserving the environment and and things like that. And therefore done a lot of things in my life where I've tried to sort of make things better. But personally for me, I wouldn't say like activism. I've been that, you know, involved with it. But how about you? Yeah, it's a funny one. Um, I, I have been on uh, protests and marches and stuff. I, I went on the uh, anti-Iraq war march, um, which I think was 2004 or five, maybe. I, I might have got the year wrong. I know that I was in 
college doing my A levels. <laughs> That's yeah. all I remember. Um, but then I don't think that activism is necessarily just going on protests and marches yeah, and stuff. You know, to to a certain extent, voting could be mm. seen as a form of activism. Uh, you know, I tweet at my MP all the time. He yeah. ignores me. He's an <laughs> asshole. I didn't vote for him. <laughs> but uh, you know, it doesn't stop me like well, speaking it's good out about because apparently he ignores you. So yeah, well, I, I was I was polite. Yeah, <laughs> I well, just I didn't didn't try to antagonize him. Uh, but uh, but yeah, or it could be things like signing petitions or just having conversations. Sign a lot of petitions. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, there's there's skepticism about it, isn't there? About like, oh, what does signing petitions do? But I mean, you know, there there are cases where like it genuinely goes to parliament. Yeah, people it discuss it, and it and it has an impact. That's mm. our, our you know democratic mm. rights. So and I think um, like just having a good viewpoint, like as you said about just conversations, I think that describes me a bit more like I will always like challenge people's views mm. and, and want to have debates and conversations and if someone says something wrong like I will call them out on it well I say wrong what I believe is wrong um <laughs> I will call them out on it and you know and I, I think that's one of the first things to change is like for change is the people's perceptions to be able to understand and some people don't always realize they're so set in their ways they don't maybe always realize mm. um certain things are wrong and I think yeah conversations is a good start yeah, absolutely. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, like, it's funny because um, a lot of the stuff that I've been uh, finding out about, be because with Black Lives Matter in particular, which I, I think we both did want to touch on with this episode, mm -hmm. because as a movement, it has quite rightly, in my opinion, gained a lot of, you know, um, support over recent weeks uh it's a topic i've been interested in for a while and i know that everybody is going to say that and be like oh it's not just because it was trending yeah. <laughs> but um one of the things that's massively come out of it um is just the amount of information that's out there and loads of people who follow on instagram about it and that even social media is kind of forming part a huge part of activism now and and yeah. um you know education and one of the best pieces that I saw was about having difficult conversations and how that's exactly what we should be doing yeah. right now because I have a lot of um you know friends and family like I mean I'm talking about my grandparents and stuff in particular they don't know a single person who isn't Caucasian like they're never gonna hear an alternative point of view unless me or my brother or my sister mm -hmm. you know some of them are kind of uh, background and generation brings that to the table uh so yeah I think it's just kind of highlighted how much having conversations is such an important part of the definitely, fight definitely yeah I completely agree mm. um yes yeah, so I think we should touch on that I think you know it's something that happened in this horrible horrible year of 2020 um, <laughs> I know obviously it is. The, the George Floyd murder which was which was absolutely awful and mm. and made me feel just incredibly worried for the world that we live in right now because I think a lot of us did get complacent and you know I think you know when we don't experience it personally ourselves maybe you don't always notice it um and unfortunately it takes something like this to happen for people to then sort of sit back and go well not sit back sit up mm. sit up and go okay this is not okay this is not all right yeah and you know I, I I wish that this would never have happened but I think it has started this movement now where people are waking up and seeing that there is an incredible in injustice in the world and and it wasn't just George Floyd, you know, it was um, Breonna Taylor, mm -hmm. who was the medical technician who was killed when the police broke down the door and shot her eight times oh, God. Uh, for like miss, it was basically yeah. like misidentification. And they didn't have a warrant and they just, you know, walked in and, and this poor girl had so much going for her, mm. um, did not deserve, deserve to die at all. And there was also one other individual that I wanted to mention, um, which is someone called Darren Hunt, which was a bit close to my heart as well, because he was the person that was, he was shot in the back. Um, by Utah police because he was carrying like a non-sharp replica sword. He was cosplaying a samurai from 
I remember anime. seeing this. Yeah, yeah and I think so he could have even been going to a convention. I imagine he was mm. going to a convention. Um, obviously, like loving cosplay myself and going to conventions. You know, he basically was like running away because they had guns at him. And so um, there were all these stories that came out to say that he like lunged at them, which apparently like he didn't. Um, he they just shot him, and you know, there mm. it's just it's just awful. You know, but now these have all sort of come to light, and everyone's realised how terrible this is and it's one of those things where it should never have had to get to this point but hopefully the world is changing now and and there is i wanted to say as well there is petitions to get their cases reopened mm. um i think it's change.org there's one justice for brianna taylor and justice for darren hunt as well there's so many more though mm. it's not just i just picked those two there are so many more cases where you know um a black person has basically been unjustifiably murdered mm. i mean murder is never justified in my opinion unless you know it's one of those things in some states, maybe they, they do that for crimes. But yeah, absolutely awful mm. um, and horrible to see. But it's just, yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I completely agree. And one thing that you said that really kind of struck a chord with me was about people kind of waking up and realising that this is happening. And I think for me, that really highlights our privilege that we yeah. kind of almost haven't had to live with this as as white people. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of something that, you know, people have the option to get involved with, to go and read about, to join a protest. But for black people where this is their reality every single day, leaving your house, wondering what if a, what if a cop sees me? Mm -hmm. Am I safe? You know, what's going to happen to me? Um, it's just such a massive yeah. disparity uh, in terms of our, our privilege. Yeah. And I think I, I completely agree. I wish this had never happened. But it has made it so much harder not impossible because people still do it, but so much harder to deny yes. that this is happening. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's perhaps why this is such a big turning point because, you know, for for the All Lives Matter brigade who are going, oh, they've oh everyone's got equal rights on paper, you know, it's all fine now. Uh, it's quite clearly not. No, exactly. And it, it's just you know we've sure back in the day, you know, there might be some uh, some cases where you'd you'd believe the police narrative going, this is our statement, this is what went down. But in the digital age where oh, you've yeah, got we've somebody. Got yeah, I mean, unless, you know, I mean, in some cases it is happening that they're literally telling us to just not believe what we're seeing with our very eyes. Yeah. Uh, the, the evidence is quite clearly there. This is happening. It, it's just not something that people can mm -hmm. deny anymore. So uh, as horrible as it is that it's happening, I guess it's it's good that it's coming to light in a way that people understand and know about and can see and can therefore define yeah. and start to fight back against. Start the change. Yeah, because I feel like it's embedded in our, it's intertwined in our society and it's terrible. These prejudices people have without mm. even like realising, you know, that they can look at someone and just assume because of the colour of their skin that they're doing a crime or that, mm. you know what I mean? It's it's embedded and it needs to change. Something has to change. And hopefully this is the, the you know, the starter for that. Mm. Um, and the protests that came that came from it, and mm. you know, even people who had opinions on the protests during this difficult time with COVID, like I understand, it's it's hard. People don't want people going out and interacting mm. with each other like that. But the thing is, I think what people have to realise is they people would not be sacrificing their own health and their own lives if this wasn't important. Yeah, for them, this was bigger than that. This was bigger than their own lives at this point, and I think that has to make us realise that it is so damn important. And it can't be like overlooked. 
Yeah, 100%. And and also the fact that, you know, uh, black people in particular uh, is, is, are more likely to be key workers. Like we talked about this in our lockdown yeah. episode that uh, COVID has disproportionately affected uh, black people and people from uh, poorer communities and, and ethnic, ethnic minority backgrounds because they're more likely to, to have, have these kind of key jobs. Mm. And to be in a situation where you've, you've uh, you know, you've either got to work because uh you're a key worker or for many other people you know you're laid off or you're on furlough or you're in your house doing nothing uh it's almost kind of been an opportunity for those people to protest and stuff or join the protest now because in the past like and this has genuinely happened to me i'm sure people can relate to this something's going down there's a march there's a protest you really want to go but you can't get time off work and you can either call in sick and like maybe lose your job or maybe go like have you know uh, get a bollocking uh or you know you can just go okay you know shit it's important to me i'm gonna i'm gonna do it uh but where like and particularly in america where this happened uh didn't the government just give everybody like a grand or two grand or something and was like there you go that'll get you through this however long it lasts yeah. like what else have you got to lose like people mm. are out here dying and exactly. people are already angry people are already restless yeah. uh and you know uh although covid is obviously a pandemic it's the way i've seen now people are describing racism as a second pandemic it's it's not that one cancels the other out it's that we just have to fight both mm. at the same it's time human rights like it's right. literally human rights and i wanted to touch upon as well just the definition of activism, because I feel like it's branded badly. I feel like people who protest are automatically deemed to be like violent people or people just wanting to cause problems. And I think, you know, I know like obviously like looting and stuff isn't great, but there's more people that are just like, that aren't necessarily good people. They're just, they're just sort of monopolizing on it. Right. And, and I think people just assume, oh, they're vandals, they're this, people who are, you know, activists, but really like, activism's definition is just like promoting impeding or like intervening in social political and economic or environmental sort of things to make changes in society mm. towards to a, to like achieve a greater good yeah so i think you know the sooner we can kind of understand activism is not a bad thing activism is like for the greater good the better mm. and i think those protests proved again that something was wrong yeah Absolutely. And, you know, I think you're right to kind of touch upon the definition because linguistically, the way we talk about things has such an impact. And uh, I mean, this is me being a little bit of a writer nerd right now. But, uh, you know, one thing that I've been able to have the chance to look into a little bit is how language is part of power structures and it upholds the status quo. And this is something that I picked up on where people talked about the Black Lives Matter riots. And I was like, they're not rioting. They are protesting in most cases peacefully. And you're absolutely right. I completely agree with you, you know, saying there are a few people coming in, being a bit opportunistic and going, okay, sweet. I can help myself to some free stuff or just be violent, which is what the the all lives matter or white lives matter people uh, did uh, in in London a a few weeks back, you know. There was no uh, banners, there was no slogans, there was no awareness, there was no education, there was nothing, no cause that they were trying to do to kind of help the community. All it was was a bunch of white skinhead dudes with their shirts off, gearing up to punch a copper, just Just there for a fight, literally. And I'm like, this isn't acting, this is rioting, this is 
what's against the law, yeah. but having a peaceful protest and demanding that the system changes because it's already broken. Uh, you know, yeah, that's activism. That's that's. And there were there were people. some police officers I know in the US. I'm not sure in the UK that were joining the protest because obviously they felt really strongly about it as well. And obviously, violence of any sort between for anyone is towards anyone is awful and absolutely I, I do, we're not advocating violence no no, no. Yeah. like people obviously like getting really angry at the police and like trying to fight the police like that's awful like yes mm. there is some awful police out there that have done some bad things but it's not every single police officer you know there's like there's plenty of of black police officers and you know i'm sure that they would never do something like that unfortunately it just seems to be white knobheads um that every think time that they have too much white power cop, yeah and, who's yeah who thinks they can get away but with it and are, often and often yeah. does but there are lovely lovely like cops out there of all color and some of them have joined in the protests and shown their support, which I think is fantastic and just shows that, you know, this this problem is bigger than any individual. And it's not about violence. It's about peace. Mm. Everyone just wants peace. And and yeah, so I think it was good to just touch upon it, just just to confirm that, you know, activism is not rioting. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And yeah, just to, to kind of get the language right. And I have been correcting people <laughs> I, when I went for uh, socially distanced drinks uh, with a, a couple of friends uh, back when it was still sunny. And uh, and yeah, uh, one of them said about riots and I, I was like, no, no, no. You mean protests. Yeah. You mean protesters. Um, I, I just hope that all the cops that join in the protests were genuine because I know that in some cases people had kind of kept their cameras on and then they were like tear gassed oh, okay. a few minutes later. Oh. Like the cops start kneeling with them and stuff and then yeah. kind of get their get their pictures and they're like, okay, yay, this is shit, good PR. Yeah. But then genuine okay, genuine police officers were okay, Yeah, genuine but... nice yeah. we like genuine nice people, not yeah. fake nice people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. I didn't know that. It happens, but like this is again like where being in the technological age is such a benefit mm -hmm. for activism as a as for any cause of activism. But where you've you've literally got evidence, you know, of of uh, exactly what people are doing, and yeah, it just it does make it harder for people to yeah. to deny it. And I think that 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 is the one good thing that's happening right now. And, you know, this information is just free and global and, you know, anybody can log on to, you know, social media site with their phone and go, right, you know, this is what's going down. I'm not confusing Twitter with real life, clearly, like who you choose to follow, like that can definitely become its own little bubble. But, you know, but cameras, you know, cameras more often lie. than not, they don't lie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you've got a footage coming from literally, you know, dozens of people at these protests, hundreds sometimes, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, sure, I'm sure there are some people out there who are so dedicated to the conspiracy theory that they will just keep denying it because their unconscious bias is like so deep that they're not going to enter yeah. any new information no, into no their brain to change their them. mind. No, no, no. no it's proof. just sheer will just to believe one thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'd like to think that most people would consider new information and let it change their mind if it needed to mm. and not be so so biased i yeah, guess sure. yeah so do you should we go into your nikki's science section yeah so my science section is a bit different today because with activism there isn't much of a science to it um because it's it's not really it's more of it's more humans coming together and you know i wasn't back in cave james's time there <laughs> to, no one was we don't we don't know they might have had protests you know they might have been annoyed once that you know the meat wasn't getting shared out fairly and maybe they had a little protest in the cave where someone got annoyed i like to think that happened yeah and cave james just laid down the law <laughs> <laughs> i hope so 
Um, but we don't we don't really know that. But if I was to make a guess, I'd say like biologically with humans, I think we can only take so much. And what well, you know, as soon as we started being able to make civilizations, towns, villages, whatever, if something was, you know, going wrong and everyone was able to come together to discuss it and they realized something wasn't right, then they would obviously come together, potentially have a little protest, but it wasn't called that. But I believe that would have been something that eventually came within civilization. I think it's a natural thing when people believe that there is an injustice in the world and something's not quite, quite going on right with them, that they will come together or there'll be a rebellion. Maybe they'll usurp the, the, um, the chief of the village. I don't know. But I imagine it dates back a long time. But we don't know too much, obviously, about that. But I did do a little bit of research because obviously it's science, it's research, it's facts. And all I could find was a uh, was something about the potentially the first one of the first sort of protests. It was more more called a rebellion, but it was a slave rebellion. So in that regard, it's I think they've dubbed it to be negative, but really the slaves were pissed off mm. about the empire. So this goes back to the first century BC in the Roman Empire. It's called the First Servile War. I'm not very good at history, so I'm <laughs> sorry if I don't get this quite right. But unfortunately, it was an unsuccessful revolt. It didn't go well for them. Um, the Republic, I think, ended up killing a lot of people. But it was one of the first sort of recorded instances of, of sort of slaves coming together and being like, hey, this is not okay, guys. Um, it went on for several years and it was led by sort of former slaves and slaves, probably one of the oldest sort of things of activism out there. And then there was also another one. So I found another one that was quite old. And this goes back to 1381 which was called, I feel like we're in a history lesson now, but I'm here for it. <laughs> Teach me, senpai. <laughs> uh, it was called the Peasants' Revolt, which um, was basically set up in the medieval times. Uh, and there were many causes, but it was actually, funnily enough, connected to the Black Plague. Wow. Black Death, um, which I thought was interesting. Because, I've heard of this. Because we're in a pandemic now, and that was a <laughs> pandemic. And people say that you shouldn't be you know, protesting, but I mean, they did, and that was 1381. So. Well, quite clearly, public health emergencies highlight other inequalities in society. Well, exactly. And these peasants, yeah. just like us peasants, <laughs> got it in their heads that they should do something yeah. about it. Why not? So it was in relation to poll tax. Um, and I think it was just that they started like taxing them really highly. And I think there was something to do with jobs um, or something like that. And there was a feudal system in place. I think that's how you say it, because it was like medieval times. And where basically the, the higher up people started treating the peasants like shit and, you know, charging them loads. Thank uh, God that's changed. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, so it was a real like clash of the classes. And this was this was when the feudal system ended. This medieval system between like lords and peasants. That was kind of when it came to a bit of an end. Mm. Still not great, obviously. Um, but it was supposedly like thought to be like the end, the end of that system in place. Um, apparently it was very much deemed that, you know, this revolution was sort of originally said to be quite like, um, chaotic and they were sort of defined as mad rabble peasants you know just but really apparently it was very organized hmm. but it was one of those things where history is written it to be like well they were all just crazy peasants going mad but i think actually you know they knew what was wrong and they all came together in quite an organized fashion to protest so you know it happened it could have been the same in cave james's time organized cave people yeah, and and now you know organization is is another big part of activism. I mean, I know we've talked about protests and petitions, but organization is another huge part of it. Um, as well as obviously donating, it's important to mention that as well. But um, yeah, that's a massive thing that I've seen on on social media as well is about uh you know people who uh 
who go to protests uh, to, to be able to have someone to contact. So perhaps not taking their phone because, you know, in many cases, if people are arrested, they don't get their phone back. But, you know, to have the, the protests organized so much that like they write a number on their arm or something mm-hmm. and then they know that the, the rest of the organization yeah. who can't protest for whatever reason, perhaps, you know, yeah. uh, other commitments or, or, or issues uh, will be able to help to give them advice or to bail them out. Like it's having these connections and contacts and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, like I said a couple of times, you know, technology is a massive help with that. But, you know, having that organization behind a movement, you know, even back in the, the 1300s, yeah. um, you know, it's just such a crucial part of it. So, you know, and I think a, a lot of people maybe don't see themselves as, as activists, but there are so many roles within activism. And, and I, I, it's really good that you've mentioned that because I think organization is another really big part of it, you know, yeah. to, to support people, you know, even things like making signs. Yeah. Uh, and this is something I know a lot of people have looked at, like the Hong Kong protests of how they protest so uh to put up umbrellas uh to sort of shield their activity uh to always wear masks so they're never identifiable regardless of you know before covid happened even you know wearing masks and stuff and uh as soon as the protests are over changing into plain t-shirts uh you know so they can't be identified as wearing the same clothes and you know people handing out clean clothes uh, yeah, so that people so can change like like organizations a massive part of it so um yeah that's great to, yeah. to to know i wanted to mention as well sort of you know we're going along in history at the moment we've got now we've got to the 1900s lots of the protests probably happened by now i'm not really mentioning them all um <laughs> we could this... do a whole episode just on the history of activism <laughs> you know, but this is more of a general topic sorry yeah. if we're missing stuff out yeah oh, i'm missing out loads i just picked out a few things but by the 1900s white people have basically and european people have dominated the world uh, we know this in quite a violent manner, um, you know, colonizing like Africa, Asia, America, whatever. Mm. Uh, people were beginning to question this. And this was also when sort of peaceful protests started to arise. A lot of it was inspired by Gandhi um, and a few other individuals. And peaceful protests were sort of now happening more in the 1900s. Um, and non-violent resistance increased, uh, violent resistance increased as well, which is good. Because I think a lot of the time, especially going back to sort of like the Peasants' Revolt and the one, um, the First Civil War, a lot of the violence was perpetrated by the people trying to stop the protest, by the people in power. A lot mm-hmm. of the violence was not done by the peasants or, you know, the slaves. It was all sort of um, done by done by the, the people in power, which makes sense because they don't want people, you know, mm. revolting or whatever. Um, and then, you know, we hit the civil rights movement, which was peaceful uh, by Martin Luther King. Very, like, non-violent resistance. Uh, it was decades long, um, obviously, to by African-Americans to end legalised racial discrimination and segregation. Lots of peaceful protests. And the violence, again, was conducted by the oppressors, not the oppressed. Mm. And I think that's a really important message that a lot of the time the violence is not done by the people who are actually protesting. Despite the fact that obviously slavery was abolished in America in 1865, we now know and we have known for a long time. Mm. Um, well, hopefully we've known for a long time. Obviously, if you know individuals will deny this, <laughs> that, uh, we, you know, black people still do not have pure equality because Mm. there is obviously so much racism now in the world especially with things like george floyd and everything that's going on with black lives matter still so far to go despite despite the achievements that you know were had back then they've still got such a long way to go um and that ends my history lesson but i've still got a little bit more of science um and i wanted to mention as well a bit about today's world in regards to sort of protesting and and mention that Fortunately, a lot of young people are standing up now. And an example is Greta Thunberg. Yes. Um, a lot of people said that, you know, the younger generation were quite complacent a while ago. Uh, millennials, apparently, um, we were supposedly, this is what I read today, that 
people believe the millennials were quite complacent and, and passive. But apparently they think that the 2016 election of Donald Trump has made people stand up now and, and vote and do stuff, which is mm. great. If that is the case, I don't know how true that is. Obviously, that's our generation. Um, I have to admit that getting older and realizing how shit the world is has made me more sort of want to do something. Um, and, you know, hopefully our younger generation like Greta Thunberg are as passionate as, as she is and and really obviously want want to make positive change. And climate change is a, is a big thing. And I will touch quickly on the Extinction Rebellion um, because, you know, that's a global environmental movement by scientists, which I think is a really important thing mm. is the fact that things of protest, you often assume that maybe they're, you know, you don't necessarily hold those people in high esteem. But, you know, the Extinction Rebellion, although I don't necessarily agree with all of their methods for, how, for protesting, it was something that was started um, by 100 academics who basically signed this call to action, which is yeah, led by scientists, professors. And, and it's, it's crazy that, you know, people get to the point where they think, well, nothing is changing mm-hmm. naturally. So we have to do something. And, and I think that's just a really interesting thing to think, you know, there's so much in regards to protest, like this, you could protest anything, anything mm. that's going wrong, but it has been, they have been critiqued a bit and said that maybe the Extinction Rebellion is too white and too middle-class, mm. it being a bit of a middle-class problem, because obviously a lot of people in their lives, they have bigger problems to deal with than climate change. Climate change is a big problem. Obviously, I'm very passionate about that being in science. It's a big problem. It's an emergency. We need to do something about it. But I completely understand that it is a problem for people that have the time for that to be a problem. Does that make sense? It does. And I, I, I'm kind of torn on this because as much as I agree that, like, I mean, like in most of Europe, climate change denial isn't a massive mainstream thing, but it kind of seems like in the US it is, yeah. like on prominent news networks oh, yeah. and, and uh, you know, politicians and stuff deny it and say that it's not happening. It's kind of more widely accepted here that it is happening but you're right in terms of it being like a middle class problem in terms of who can actually do stuff about it because sure if you can afford to buy chia seeds at Holland and Barrett and sprinkle them on everything you eat and get a really good electric bike that runs off of solar whatever and ride it to work every day great but guess what I could afford (laughs) economy brand noodles okay (laughs) so I mean it's just it's not like it's not possible for everybody and as much as I think absolutely it's a worthy cause probably the most worthy like that like we've got one planet we're not trying to save the planet the planet will be fine we'll just all die yeah exactly it's our, it's us that we're fighting it's the, for. Ch- it's the children of the future well. yeah for sure and yeah but i completely agree like it's, it's so difficult but the thing is with the climate change and the extinction rebellion it's for the governments to change like us on a lower level is not much is going to happen, mm. but we need uh, systematic structure change. Yes. We need stuff within our green government. industrial yeah. revolution. It's the higher up people, and so you know, I agree with protests for climate change. Absolutely fine. Is it the most important thing in the world over human rights? No, of course not. Long term, might kill us all, but you know, <laughs> it's one of those things where the government this shouldn't be happening. The government should have been able to, to sort this decades ago. Um, hopefully, we're not all going to die in a burning blaze. But yeah, it's a very it's a very middle class problem. I do I do agree. You know, places in in foreign countries, um, sort of third world countries. You know, it's is it third world? No, we're in third. World. Yeah, third world. Okay. We're first world. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be yeah. I don't want to get that wrong. No, that's um, okay. You know, the, it's it's hard. That's why we. Need but these structure. are the countries that will be hit by climate change yeah, first and they hardest. Are. They already are. We, yeah. We're already seeing climate change displacement, and uh, and so you know, as much as 
as sure it could be argued that having the time and resources to campaign you know for climate change and campaign for extinction rebellion you know might be a middle class thing uh it still affects every single human being on this planet. Yeah. Um, it's just their methods that I struggle with because they stopped uh, a bunch of tubes in yeah. London and stopped people getting to That's work. I mean. And I'm like, one. this is public transport. It's electric. This is fine. Yeah. What you, I mean, to be perfectly honest, we've talked about being video game nerds. Playing the Final Fantasy VII remake made me think... If only I could blow up a nuclear reactor <laughs> <laughs> because they get like stuff that's killing the planet. And oh, like, I'm, I'm not just to be clear, I'm not saying everybody go copy what you see in video games. But for me, as somebody who cares about climate change to be cloud and like go and blow up a, a reactor that's killing the planet. I was just like, I mean, I, again, I don't agree with the methods, but like, uh, uh, you know, they're going to the root of the problem. Us as individuals, uh, we won't have that much of a difference no. on our carbon footprint, but massive oil companies and conglomerates that yeah. like, you know, uh, like airlines and, uh, you know, huge big businesses, that they are the problem. They are, yeah. But I can only do something about it when I'm cloud. So, you know, I just want to say that if, if a reactor blows up at any point in the future, um, it's not We Leah. were never here. It's not Leah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it is one of those things. So I spent some time in Indonesia during like my some of my research for elephants, and you know I got to see the problem with palm oil, mm. and and that is absolutely destroying Indonesia and a lot of other following countries. I did I did my uh, master's thesis on it, and it's horrendous to see. But you know I spoke to farmers, I spoke to people that that you know that grow it and and make all the land for it, and that are basically palm oil farmers, and and I saw a different side because. Mm. The only reason they're doing it is because the government and sort of I think it might be like the Chinese government are paying them to do it. They make a lot of money off of it. You know, if they could stop them from doing it, but you, you, you can't if you if you take that way, you take away their livelihood. They don't really want to be destroying their country, but it's it's a structural thing. If they stopped allowing it, if they had government sort of strategies in place to not do that, or replace it with something else that gives them just as much money. Fine. But it's not it's not them as an individual that's doing it it's it's the higher ups it's the government problem there's a lot of sort of corrupt side of it as well but yeah yeah exactly do you know what i mean what yeah. kind of a choice is that choice. you don't yeah you can't yeah uh, you know there, there's there's no there's no so, good option there it's so tough but yeah i mean to be honest i don't want to just be like oh blame blame the man um but unfortunately in this situation it is it is blame the government's blame the structure of the world unfortunately that is the way that it is and and you know like i said i i i agree with the premise and why extinction rebellion started i don't always agree with the protest methods that always mm. that's not always great but it's just one of those things people get pissed off and they protest that's just how it goes mm. but um well that's like the great thing about black lives matter and and pride which we've mm. just had is the you know the the protests are um you, you know peaceful and you know people are, are unified and united against something and you know i mean just thinking back to being on the iraq war march there there was such a feeling of togetherness that as much as you didn't know anybody there if anything happened every single person there would have your back everybody yeah, will keep you safe Unity. and like absolutely and you know so for, for black lives matter and, and and pride which is uh protests celebration i guess it's um I, I funnily enough i was talking to somebody who did their um their final year dissertation on 
uh, protests and uh, how pride went from protest to party, how it went from activism and, you know, Stonewall riots to celebrations and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that, you know, there's 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 definitely a huge different range of, of activism out there. But it's just great to see that, you know, yeah, we, we might not be 100 percent on board with Extinction Rebellion's methods, but still activism as a whole. And, you know, these other movements, Black Lives Matter and, and Pride. And I mean, God, there are so many yeah. as, you know, feminists well, that could it. spend we, ages yeah. talking about suffrage and all the, all the great stuff. We realised that we had to cut some of this out because, um, we can talk about it in other episodes like things like feminism obviously there is like a big thing that means a lot to us um and there's just yeah there's so much that we could talk about but it's just trying to like not talk about everything so we'll be here for like five hours yeah we will we will wear your eardrums out people <laughs> um which uh I'm, I'm sure you don't want us to no. do so um we're, we're just kind of talking about activism broadly and touching on some you know some points Why here but important. that's okay and i think that leads me nicely to my last part of my science section which i want to just briefly talk about how animal rights movements and protests have kind of happened and actually been really positive for change. Um, so I wanted to mention basically some successes because that's one thing I thought actually I can, there's a lot of successes with animal rights movement protests. And that is one apparently in basic rights, the five great eight species in New Zealand happened in 1999. So there's no testing, no research. So giving basic rights to any animal I think is incredible. God, have New Zealand done anything wrong lately? No, they, they're, like, they're, they're on a roll. Um, in the UK, actually, because a lot of these obviously started with protests. In the UK, we had um, a cosmetic research and testing ban in 1998, and then in Europe in 2013. A little bit late Europe, whatever. Um, so <laughs> At least they got it now. <laughs> yeah, so we don't have any cosmetic research or testing in the UK. Um, and that was obviously all started by protests because people were not happy about it, and rightly so. Yeah. And also in the US, um, I never know if it's Peter or Peta. Peter. I've heard both. Okay, I'll say either or. People may not like these, you know, but you can't say that they didn't do something really good when it came to the Ringling Bros, which were a traveling circus in the US, who treated elephants and other animals absolutely disgustingly. Um, there were a lot of protests. This went on for 36 years, this campaign, Whoa. protests and everything. Um, they finally achieved momentum when they announced that they would, the Ringling Bros would phase out the use of elephants in 2018. They actually ended up doing it before then um, because all this information came out and everything like that about how it was going badly. Um, and so, yeah, that that was a success, which was great. And um, in the US, Peter as well also fought to end chimpanzee testing in labs, which came to an end in 2015. So now they're living out their days in sanctuaries, which is great. Also, again, protests. Uh, and I also just quickly wanted to mention Blackfish, which is the movie. Oh, about my God. I love that movie. <laughs> we'll have to make a whole episode on that. <laughs> but, um, SeaWorld. Yeah. yeah. So basically SeaWorld and the movie Blackfish, uh, which came out in 2013, which also then caused a lot of protests. Mm. Some of which my friends went to, which I was really proud of them for. And I wish I could have gone. But at the time, I was meant to go to one of them, actually. Um, so that achieved so much momentum and everyone actually realising what the hell was going on in SeaWorld and everything like that. And I'm completely against it. And I'd recommend the movie Blackfish and also The Cove. But oh. the protests and everything and, and everything all that the movie did was amazing because it, it caused so much traction and now there's no breeding of whales in captivity um, or no circus shows. There we are far from over though with this and there's people are calling for them to be put into ocean sanctuaries. Yeah. They're not doing it. There is another movie on Amazon Prime about updating on Blackfish. So if you're interested in Blackfish, um, go check out Long Gone Wild. It's like a bit of an update on what's going on, what should be happening. Mm. Uh, protests still ongoing for this. Protests still ongoing for sort of cetaceans, dolphins and everything like that and, and giving them 
better lives. Um, but yeah, I just think it's good to mention just some achievements, especially with animal rights, because when I think of a lot of time protests, you know, something that I'm really passionate about is animal rights and wildlife mm. and everything like that. So, so it'd be nice just to get some positivity in to say, hey, look, actually, this is this can happen from from being passionate and protesting. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as much as it seems like an uphill struggle and, you know, particularly for for people who literally dedicate their entire life to fighting a cause, you know, it, it, it progress must seem so slow and so few and far between. But looking back at how far we've come I mean it really just gives me so much hope and so much um you know feeling a feeling of being really galvanized for the future it's a shame that so much of this does fall to the younger generation um but you know one thing that I want to mention was just how good they are at it like holy shit gen z they have like <laughs> k-pop stands like did you hear about like they blocked like they uh said that there were going to be loads of turnouts to a trump rally and then like no one turned up <laughs> and they like spammed uh they like the anti-blm hashtags yeah. so that people couldn't like you know uh people couldn't access like uh pictures of people at the protests and id them and stuff yeah. like it, it is insane like as, as as much of a shame as it is it's fallen to the younger generation like I mean, I'm I'm so impressed. Like, yeah. and that's another thing that, as well as seeing how far we've come, like, just seeing how how ready almost people people seem for yeah. like the fight ahead. Um, that's it great. definitely gives us a lot of hope. For sure. Um, so that's that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So that was the end of my science and history section. It was a bit of a weird one. Um, <laughs> that's a... fine. We can do different <laughs> things. We I don't sort of... just fit in one yeah. box. <laughs> Science and history, it kind of goes together, kind of not, but oh well. What about you, what your creative corner? So uh, in Leah's creative corner uh, today, uh, I just thought it would be really cool to kind of talk a bit generally about the role of art in activism, um, because I went to an arts uni, so as much as I kind of focused on writing, it's all art that can be kind of, you know, attributed. There is a massive link between activism and art um, historically uh, and also today as well. Uh, so a few examples, uh, one would be uh, Pablo Picasso's painting Guernica in 1937, which depicted the bombing of the Spanish city of Guernica in the Spanish Civil War, um, that's now become just an anti-war symbol, uh, you know, that, that everybody would recognise. Um, it's a massively well-known piece, really awesome. Um, I would try to post it to Instagram if it doesn't break the law. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll look into that. Um, another amazing one that I wanted to um, touch on, uh, particularly because of, uh, you know, talking about Black Lives Matter in this episode, was uh, in 1964, Norman Rockwell's painting, The Problem We All Live With, depicted a young black girl called Ruby Bridges, a real person, Ruby Bridges, walking down the road to attend an all-white school. And in the painting, uh, she's depicted flanked by security guards because of the racial hatred that her attendance to an all-white school incited. Uh, she walks past racial slurs on the walls, and this became an iconic image of the civil rights movement. And Barack Obama had the artwork put on display when he invited Ruby Bridges, the real life subject of the painting, to meet him at the White House in 2011. Um, which... oh, I miss Barack Obama so much. <laughs> Come back! Those, those were, the, were the good US presidency times. Yes. Um, and, you know, that's just insane to think, like, you know, just how much of a symbol much, that, that artwork has become. Yeah, that's amazing. 
Um, one of my uh, favorites as well is the Gorilla Girls. Um, so they, it's like gorilla, like gorilla warfare, like G-U-E, gorilla. Um, but they wear gorilla masks mm -hmm. to keep anonymous. Uh, and they have spent the past 30 to 40 years fighting racism and sexism in the art world uh, by stating facts uh, such as less than 5% of the artists in the modern art sections are women, but 85% of the nudes are female. Uh, so this poster, uh, which has this statistic written on it, asks, do women have to be naked to get into the Met Museum? And that's become a symbol of furthering female representation in art. And I believe they've got, I think it's a permanent exhibition in the Tate Modern in London, because um, I had to go there on a trip last year. Uh, they're obviously not open right now, but um, when they are, like it's free entry, um, their exhibition's so good. Uh, so yeah, loads of uh, massive history with, with art and activism. It's a, a huge, huge part. Yeah, I'll definitely check those out. Yeah, I will. I will try to to post things on Instagram uh, if I if I can. But yeah, I don't want to like uh, rip people off. I think, so no, I, I want to make sure it could be that you just link to like websites or repost things that other people have posted, yeah, and then if idea. I get in trouble, it'll be them, not it's me. A repost, it's fine. Yeah, so look out for that. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll if just... you don't see it, then it's got removed. <laughs> yeah, and I and I've I've probably got into trouble. So, <laughs> but hey, activism. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that's got to do with anything. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just shaking my fist. Yes, at no the man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but bringing things a little bit closer up to date. Um, I mean, a, a massive example that I'm sure most people in the UK will know or at least have heard of is Banksy. Yeah. Um, so you know, again, massive art and activism. Like his his uh, graffiti, his street art is so, um, you know, just just striking in terms of some of the things it depicts. Uh, it's meant to be unsettling and, and yeah, kind I of unnerving. Like you really can have activism through art, can't you? Like now, now I think about it, I didn't. It's not something I really realized before, but yeah, some of his are just really shocking, startling, and and quite eye-opening and, and hopefully a cause sort of for change well for change for the better yeah absolutely and you know talking about pride as well um drag race fans uh will be familiar with how many queens refer to their drag as a form of activism as well so uh a few ones that sprang to mind were the vixen um jackie cox uh and mariah paris balenciaga um she did a recent performance in all stars five where uh, she was wearing this like stark white dress and did a spoken word piece where she dipped her hands in red paint and you know it, it just the visual symbol alone of like that kind of corruption of innocence and like you know uh yeah it was amazing um and that that's a drag race you know for all the, you know I know it's not everyone's cup of tea um and it's like very much produced and reality tv <laughs> but for all its faults like you cannot deny that it has brought the lgbtq oh, course, movement yeah. like massively into the mainstream you would um, never you've never have seen that like sort of 80s early 90s yeah. like you know it's it's amazing sort of how far we've come with representation and and sort of just being able to to do that yeah, it'd be absolutely fine because back absolutely. then you would have, yeah you would have had a lot of sort of critique and and everything. So yeah, there is definitely like we have come far for sure, and it's in every media as well. Like 
activism through art can take pretty much any any form so like music's a really obvious one you've got like Bob Dylan Rage Against the Machine Stormzy Childish Gambino um you've got filmmakers amazing filmmakers like Ava DuVernay um who did Selma um When They See Us and The 13th which are all amazing um and uh TV and film as well one of one of the ones that has has really kind of like struck a chord with me in terms of it a being a show that I love but b handling these these kind of topics really well is Brooklyn Nine Nine, mm-hmm. and uh, they have been applauded for the way they handled the topic of police racism. Um, so if you want to skip to that episode, it's season four, episode sixteen, entitled Mumu. And the episode received very positive reviews from critics. Uh, the show has since gone on to tackle homophobia by collaborating with Stephanie Beatriz on including her bisexuality as part of Rose's character. And their Me Too episode was also really well received for depicting the challenges in bringing perpetrators of sexual assault to justice and the negative impact it can have on victims too. And like, I think this is a part of why representing these these issues is so important and making them visible because, you know, it's 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 kind of subliminal in a weird way like a little bit of a trojan horse thing because people who like the show will just like it because it's comedic but then when a show like brooklyn 99 highlights these issues or does an episode that's that's you know really shows the intricacies of this topic and does so in still a funny and accessible way that will make people think rather than just yeah. coming up to them with a sign in their face going black lives matter yeah. like if if people who don't understand and uh, don't know about the this the subject just have no kind of uh, almost um uh, like opportunity in their life to know about it but the media that they mm. watch or the celebrities that they like or the shows that they enjoy yeah. show these topics it's almost like micro change like it's right. tiny little things like that that mm-hmm. can change people's perceptions over time. Yeah. And do you know what I mean? Like it's it's something little, even just seeing like a piece of art or a TV show that highlights it or brings up or, or something like that mm. could, you know, it. I think it just helps. And I think I think that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, as much as, you know, there's a time and place for having arguments in the comments of people's Facebook and YouTube posts, uh, which I've been banned for, by the way. <laughs> I've genuinely been unfriended by family members at this oh. point for being trying to be oh, anti-racist. Um, but it's, you know, there's a time and a place to have those conversations. And yeah, you know, I guess kind of as, as much as I do and will keep trying to change people's minds and speak up when I see it happen, um, you know, people can very clearly become confrontational when you try and engage them on what they perceive to be their social media space but if they can enjoy a bit of art first and then kind of hear the message later yeah it it can kind of get through a little can, bit a little yeah, bit more impactfully people, people react in different ways and i think you know someone might who feels a certain way might see and a piece of art like we were talking about and it might just change their perception like however they come to terms or however they face this particular thing it may well make them change their perception, you know? Like, yeah. It, I think that's great. It may not. Mm. People may still be arseholes afterwards. But the fact that it could, yeah. Um, the fact that it's aimed to do that, I think is great. That's that's one of my favourite things about kind of, you know, being able to, to be a little bit creative. Like with art as activism in any media, whether you're a writer, whether you're a painter, whether you're a, a poet or a filmmaker or a musician or anything, uh, art through activism kind of gives 
you as a creator a way to kind of hold up a mirror to society with one hand saying you know this is what you're like and with the other offer an idea of what we could be Mm -hmm. and that's something really powerful that like I think a lot of you know there's and there's room for for everybody you know in in terms of art as, art as activism but uh yeah I, th- I think we definitely have the a capability to do that uh with whatever form your art takes um and and yeah you, you never know whose mind you're changing so you know that could be end up being a really powerful thing exactly yeah awesome yeah cool Alrighty, well, uh, if you want to uh, come and uh, hopefully not um, <laughs> like completely uh, t- tell us that, that we're, we're wrong. I mean, if you're a fascist like, and you're a bigot and you're still listening to this at this point, don't come and interact with us on social media. Like, this probably isn't for you. No. <laughs> Thanks for giving it a go, but maybe... I appreciate you coming this far, but... It's, we're probably not going to be for you. I mean, our podcast is called Not For Girls. We're trying to challenge what people would, you know, stereotype us and deem not for girls. We're clearly, like, we're going to be talking about our own opinions because, you know, you can't you can't It's a lifestyle podcast, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and no- nothing is off the table because nothing is not for girls, so... Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, but if... I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, if, if people don't, don't agree, that is absolutely fine, but, um, yeah, I, you, you're more than welcome to come and chat with us. Uh, you can email us at notforgirlspodcast at gmail.com. Yes, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at notforgirlspod that right yes not for girls pod on instagram and twitter i didn't say that already that is the right handle it's going really well yeah (laughs) i've had a lot of wine um but it's been it's been an interesting one as you said like we are going to do different episodes for sure so many different episodes we're also i don't know if we ever mentioned this before we are going to have like guest hosts on sometimes it might be us and someone else but i think we want to sort of try and do a thing where it's like one yeah like it's always gonna be mostly two people Mm. guest hosts Lots of different guests, lots of different topics. Sometimes about life experience, sometimes a bit more like this, where we just talk about topics in detail, how we feel about it, and sort of history, science, and everything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think a, a big part of this is, and, and it's important to say, is that, you know, as much as, as, yeah, you know, we're feminists and we talk about things that we, we, may have been been told oh that's not for girls and we're kind of busting those myths it's not just our own lived experience that we want to be able to to kind of get out there uh we want guests on who are different from us and can offer different opinions and have different lived experiences because being able to see the world through more than one lens is a really amazing thing it's called empathy kids and uh (laughs) we should all be doing it and so so we would just want to bring you at like as as broad of a range as we we can um and just kind of you know we'd still keep it on topic each week but yeah just just give some some different different ideas and stuff for for people to think about so look forward to that in the future yeah thanks for listening everyone Thank you for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.